Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the Pedro Morales Show. Well, it's episode 77 of the AFTN podcast, so it kind of ties in. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Pedro later on in the show. So welcome to episode 77 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and this week, he's back. No more gravy granules, we've got the real thing back. The original, the one and only, Steve Pander. Thanks for having me back on. I did eat some poutine on the way here, so at least I'm full of some gravy. We'll be, we'll be eat a smooth transition from last week to this week. Uh, and for those of you hoping to see Bisto again, I'm afraid he has kind of met a watery death. Um, Steve isn't as delicious with hot water poured over him, but he does have some cold water poured over him today because we're out at our very rain-soaked UBC. So enjoy the kind of rain in the background and there's a hell of a lot of construction going on which I'm putting down to being something to do with the Whitecaps training facility. Yeah, especially right by UBC Thunderbird Stadium. Uh, there's been quite a bit of stuff ripped up so hopefully something's happening where it'll benefit the Whitecaps because they definitely need it when you think of how they performed against Portland on the weekend. Well, I'm kind of hoping they might be able to dig up a striker because I think that is definitely what the Whitecaps are needing just now. So let's get the Portland game out of the way right away. 3-0 defeat to fierce Cascadian rivals. More importantly, a 3-0 defeat to fierce playoff rivals. And of course, that win moved Portland back into the playoff spots and sent the Whitecaps back below the red line, albeit with a game in hand. By this stage of season, I would much rather have the points on the board. True, hundred uh, percent. That's gonna. We'll see what game that actually comes into play. I think it might be the San Jose game next Wednesday. I think it is, yeah. Uh, and then we'll see where everybody stands. Uh, Portland, you know, you got to give them credit. They really came out and played a different game. They attacked. You th- you think that they might be down a little bit because they came off that thrashing that Seattle gave them, even though they came back in that one a little bit. But still, uh, credit to them. They totally outperformed the Whitecaps, who just seemed like dead in the water. They, they, there seems to be no fight in them throughout the game. There was a couple of chances here and there, but they didn't seem to attack the way they wanted to. And, and definitely uh, Portland found a way to neuter their attack. Yeah, they, they were neutered like predictor pooch. It was, it was a horrible performance. It started off so well. I mean, the opening minutes, Myra Rosales, my man of the match, a fantastic performance from, from the new signing. And 
he was great. He linked up with Pedro Morales in the first five minutes. Pedro guided that header over and you thought, yes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is going to work. But then after that, there was just nothing. And when you looked at the bench, Kyle Robinson made the strange decision in my eyes to only have one striker on the bench. And I know Fernandez can play up front as a striker. And when he was brought to the club, he was kind of brought in as a striker, but he's kind of playing more in a withdrawn role. But one striker on the bench, Darren Mattix, and leading the attack, the out-of-form Eric Hurtado. Yeah, he's, he's, he's struggling quite a bit. Uh, could be confidence, I don't know, I'm not sure. But you also mentioned, uh, we, you mentioned earlier that uh, he seems to not lost quite a bit of bulk on him. And I don't know if that's affecting him too. Maybe he doesn't have the strength that he did. Maybe he's made some kind of adjustment to his diet and that's affecting his overall energy levels, his, his speed or whatever. I'm not sure. I'm not a physician who can talk about this stuff. But you, what do you think? Do you think that that's had an effect on him or do you think it's more confidence? For sure. I mean, he kind of, before he had an ass like that, that woman that you always saw in the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm-hmm. But now he he's seems to have slimmed down. And that, that was a big part of his game. Because he had that bulk, he was really hard to push off the ball. He just seemed to be trying to do too much without actually doing anything. Carroll said after the game that he felt he did okay without actually being a threat and it's a threat that he needs him to be. So that was kind of just a nice way of saying I think he had a really crap game. But then you also had Kakutamani as well, who for me, he looked a little bit scared out there, he looked a little bit clueless out there. And one of the things we were discussing during the game is, do you think it's maybe a case now that too many people have been giving Kakuta advice and when he goes on the pitch he's just got all this advice going around his head and he just doesn't really know what to do now and he he kind of just freezes during the games because he looked lost. Oh, he definitely freezes. There was a couple of moments where he was supposed to make a a run to the sideline. Pedro was going to be sending him the ball that way and he didn't know what to do. He was, and, the, and the people are just uh, shouting, giving instructions on the field. So I, I think it's definitely where he's got a, uh, a head full of instructions, but no way to decipher it. And it's going to, uh, they need to simplify the game for him a little bit more, I think, in order for him to succeed. And the play, uh, again, he it's not his natural position, the wing. And he definitely seemed to, and, and, and team, other teams seem to have figured out what he's doing when he's on the pitch from that position. So he needs to get more of a central role. I don't know if they're going to be able to afford to do that for him. But if he does that, then he has more space and more room to do different things from different angles. Now, that's all very true. And we actually have some interesting audio about both of those points, which we'll bring you later on in the show. But for now, let's we'll stick to the Portland game. Um, let, in fact, before we talk anymore, let's just hear a little bit of audio from after the game on Saturday. We're going to hear a little bit from Carl Robinson, and then we're going to hear a little bit from Caleb Porter. You were in the, the Portland dressing room, Steve, and you, you spoke to Caleb, and we'll hear a little bit from him. But first of all, here's Carl Robinson. What do you think, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> Have you got three hours? Um, I think we got a doing today for the first time this season. I think we were, uh, me included, I just said to the guys in there, I don't think we were at our, our top performance levels. We've been most of the games this season at home, and it's unfortunate because it was a, a fantastic opportunity for us, a fantastic crowd. They were brilliant, as, as always, um, and we sort of let ourselves down a little bit, not from effort, but just maybe from concentration at certain moments in the game. Is it frustrating not only just the loss, but how you lost? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, It's never nice to lose any game, whether you lose 1-0 or 3-0, and... You know, they were better than us today. I think you go through their players, you go through our players, and their players probably come out on top in most of the individual battles. So, you know, when you're 1-0 down, we tried to change it. We had one or two half chances. 
to get back into it and at 2-0 then they score the, th the third and suddenly they keep the ball and they're a good team um, and we're chasing shadows at the end so frustrating for us but I don't think we were a threat throughout the game and you know that was probably the, the biggest concern for me. In the first match you guys almost came back after being down quite a bit uh, to get a result in that game. Was, it, was there anything tactically you saw in that or was there more of a confidence boost that you can't you know work with these well, I guess, against like, Vancouver? Against Vancouver the, the first time. Bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some things we saw in that game, some things we didn't do well. Um, you know, we watched Vancouver a lot, and there were some there were some real specific key things that we worked on this week. I won't tell you those things, but, um, you know, there were some things that we did that I thought really helped today. And part of it, big part of it, was the personnel we chose. We, we played with outside backs that made Rosales and Kikuda defend. And we played with wingers who defended their outside backs. And we've had some games where our wingers didn't defend enough. And we've had some games where our outside backs didn't attack enough. And I think the combination of those two things, our wingers defending and our outside backs attacking, uh, was a real key. And against Vancouver, when you play a 4-3-3 where it's kind of matched up like that, the 2v2 game on the flanks is a real important factor in winning the game. So listening to Caleb Porter there, he definitely knew how to get the best of the white caps. Playing those players that were going to make Morales and Rosales and Mane and anyone that's going to have to track back to defend them. And it worked really well. And you could tell by the way he talked to them that he was in a much happier mood. He didn't have those one-word answers that he gives after losses. It was much more expanded and basically talking to, you know, talking up the players and talking up the coaches and how they, you know, they beat the Whitecaps. So uh, it was a good timing on my part to talk to him because I didn't have to deal with the ugly side of Caleb Porter. Although, to be fair, every time you look at Caleb Porter, there, there is an ugly side there. I mean, there is no getting away from that. Same with Will Johnson. <laughs> Our photographer, Tom, he took a fantastic picture of Will Johnson coming off the pitch after the game on Saturday. Game that they've won, won 3-0, beat their big rivals, got back in the playoff spots. Not one smile. He's a miserable git. So before we totally move away from the Portland game, now you had a very interesting little tidbit, Steve, that you picked up outside the Timbers dressing room on, on Saturday. Yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody I knew from uh, in the Portland area, and, and it, I wanted to get a, a somebody to confirm this, but it was it, nobody else was saying it. So take this as what you want to take it. This has to do with, a lot of people were talking about after the game, oh, uh, Nagby, you know, everybody's talking about the press and everything like that, and some of the uh, supporters were talking about how Nagby, you know, why didn't the Whitecaps take him? They could have taken him to Salgado. Salgado wasn't even in the 18. Um, I was talking to somebody there, and they mentioned that the Timbers kind of slipped, let, let slip the story that Nagby didn't want to play for the Whitecaps. That got run in the Oregonian. I think, I don't remember the general's name. I, he was there that day. Um, that was run by him, and through a couple intermediaries, they, they told Nagby not to even mention anything about it. So it kind of let it, you know, soak in and everything like that. At that point, there was, uh, we already know this, there was a little bit of discussion between who they were going to take. Tommy Soen, who I've criticized in the past, wanted to, Nagby. Uh, then coach Tater Tortison, who had trained uh, Solgato for a couple of weeks uh, the season before, uh, liked Omar. So they were kind of going back and forth on who they were going to take. Now, what happened was when that story came out, a lot of the other front office people, maybe 
because in the past, a lot of people might not know this, but the Grizzlies, uh, Vancouver Grizzlies, who played in the NBA, drafted a player named Steve Francis. If you saw the look on his face when he got drafted that day by the Vancouver Grizzlies, you would you would say that that was a big PR nightmare. He eventually got traded within a couple months. I I think the Whitecaps did not want to do that. Uh, maybe they maybe they saw remembered that. I'm not sure, but. They wanted to take somebody that wanted to be there and who could put a good face on the team and, and maybe somebody who had a lot of potential. So that's essentially the reason why they went for Omar. They liked him and they they thought he had more potential than Nagby and uh, because Nagby coming out of the college system. So that's essentially the, what it was. Again, take him for what it is. I couldn't get a second confirmation on it, but the person I talked to knows his stuff basically. And it kind of ties in. I've heard all along that if the Whitecaps had picked Nagby, Nagby would have come here. Yeah. But yeah, they, I think they were just a little bit wary in some sense of a PR nightmare, but also because uh, Tater wanted Omar. And at least Omar's still here. So one of the things you talked about there was Caleb Porter figuring out the, the Whitecaps on Saturday. And that, that was one of the topics at training today. Have the Whitecaps been figured out? We'll play a little bit of audio from that. But be, before we do, what's your thoughts on that, Steve? Do you think other teams have figured out how to play against the Whitecaps now? I think especially uh, uh, defending, uh, when they're defending the Whitecaps, they have figured it out. Um, my personal feeling is that there's too many one-dimensional players and too many of the same type where they don't have to deal with different variations of the attack. It's basically just, you know, people going one-on-one and not using their defenders. And as long as you shut down Morales, you're basically shutting, I'd say, 90% of their attack because he's the one running the attack. And so if you shut them down, him down, then you just have to worry about one-on-one battles. And, And I personally don't think that the players that were on the pitch, except for Rosales, have the one-on-one capabilities of beating defenders. Oh, definitely not. And it's like, that is really all that, that is in their locker. You mentioned Morales here, so we'll, we'll come back to Morales just in a little bit. But here's the audio now from training on Tuesday, September 2nd, where Carl was asked, some of the other players were asked, have the Whitecaps been found out? And if so, is there a way that they can get round up? So here's Carl Robinson, Andy O'Brien, David Oustead, and maybe a few others I can't actually remember. But here we go. Have opposing teams just maybe figured out your, your attack right now? That... Maybe, yeah. It's, you know, when you're playing up against a certain player, uh, we do in the Western Conference here, especially against uh, when we play three teams, uh, three times a year. Uh, they do know how to play against you. And I think, you know, we've got a lot of guys with pace. You know, since Kenny Miller left, we, we haven't really got a, a smart player up front. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to Darren or Eric. Their strengths are their strength. Uh, are their strength, um, they're running behind um, and their speed on the ball and Kakuta fits into that category as well so that's something that we do know uh, about and we're, and we're working with that and we're seeing whether we can add add something but if we don't get to add anything you know now it, it would be because it's not the right fit you know I don't want to make a knee-jerk reaction I've got 100% faith in these young players and you know we're continuing to be better. Andy O'Brien had said that maybe some of the frustration is the fact that you've seen those young players yeah. perform so well earlier in the season and now yeah. it's just the, the, the results just haven't been there. They haven't. Is that, is that part of young players it is. Or? Yeah, of course it is. I think it is a inconsistencies and not just of young players but in players in general you know there's a reason why maybe players are playing in Major League Soccer rather than playing in the Premiership in England or playing in La Liga. Um, it's because they've maybe got certain deficiencies in their game but you know I've got a fantastic group of bunch of players in there I really have and 
with young players you have ups and downs and you know Eric Cotardo literally 10 games ago was scored five and five and he was looking unbelievable uh, you know maybe his confidence has been dented a little bit things aren't quite going his way but he's still the same person he's still the same individual he's trying his hardest he's given us everything he's got but you know people go through uh, ups and downs in their young career um, part of our job as a, as a group of coaches and me as the manager is to help them off the field as well as on the field and we'll continue to work with that because they'll be better for it um, but us as a group we just got to maintain focus maintain enjoyment in the game and get back to trying and get back to our winning ways because it's been a pretty difficult two months for us you know we've picked up a few decent results without really uh, capitalizing on big chances that we've had and we've missed them but that's gone uh, and we've got to galvanize ourselves together and pull ourselves together Maybe it's a good time to do it now after just being beaten by Portland 3-0. You look at the, the last three games and goals have been so hard to come by for a while. Do you, do you feel that the attack, some of the formations have become maybe too predictable that opposing defenses have kind of figured you guys out? No, not really. I mean, I think goals are the hardest thing to score, uh, hardest thing to um, do in soccer. You know I mean? The goals have dried up a bit, but um, the confidence is still there. I mean, it's the same players that have been scoring goals all season. You know? So um, we just need to get back to... Um, doing what we're capable of doing and the goals are going to come again. Um, I've got no doubt about that. Would you like to see more adjustments or is there anything that you guys could do to game plan to, to maybe get more? Um, for, me, more for me personally, I think every, we, we just got to focus on what we know we can do and what um, we're cap capable of doing. And I said, just focus on the process, ride this out, and the results going to take care of itself. Yeah, so maybe earlier on this season when they were doing that, they kind of caught teams unaware, but now they've maybe been worked out a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, for quite a few people have said that they've been worked out, but I think um, still in a in a level race, um, they'll beat the majority of guys. So sometimes you have to um, applaud the way the opposition played. Um, I think to a certain extent, I didn't think that Portland were unbelievably good. I think that we maybe made them look a little bit better than than what they were. Uh, and I think the frustration is, given the magnitude of the game, that uh, we didn't impose ourselves more on it. Um, and then obviously the result, um, conceding three at home, is never a good thing. But um, I think the biggest frustration was that we didn't really perform as, as well as we could have done. And uh, I don't think it was necessarily because they were outstanding. Now, for me, the, the team has been found out a little bit in that everyone knows Kikuta Mani, Darren Mattox, Eric Hurtado... They get the ball at their feet, they run. They run, they run, they run. If they get past defenders, fantastic. If they can't get past defenders, they just have no idea what to do. I, I'm not sure if we're going to use this audio, but Carl was asked about Kenny Miller, would he have made a difference? And Robinson said that Kenny brought, he brought intelligence to the pitch. He, he, said he, he didn't want to make it a slight to the other guys, but I don't think it was more intelligence. I think there's more experience. And Kenny Miller brought experience to the pitch. These guys don't have the experience to know what to do um, if their number one options are. They ha don't, ha don't have a second option to go to when they're in attack. Like, like I said earlier, they're one-dimensional. So I think that's something they have to work on. Whether it's a different formation or they bring somebody in that's a different type of player, I, I, that, the second one is actually, I think, more unlikely at this point. I, I, th I, th I think they just need to do something differently. They need to maybe work... They need to do some tactically, something different tactically. I, they just got to work on something to get going because right now they, they seem to have no answers on the pitch. 
Oh yeah, totally. I mean, nine, nine games left, and you just you just can't see where this goal's coming from. Carol said there in in the audio that we played that it's all about football brains, football intelligence, and yeah, he said, without being disrespectful to the guys he've got. They just haven't got that. And at that age, it's hard to have that at that age. It's something that a lot of strikers only get when they are a little bit more experienced. Especially if you don't come from an academy system too. And um, both Darren Maddox, Eric Hurtado, both came from college systems. Kakuta Mane, he played for the Austin Aztecs. He played for a, 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 you know the son of a former Liverpool legend, but still, it wasn't. I don't think he spent too much time there, and it, you, you, that's something you got to pick up through an academy system. And a lot of our players that are coming up through those academies will have that to a certain extent. I think they will have more of it than these guys have, uh, but they have to be patient with them. And if, if these guys are long-term players for the Whitecaps, they, they're obviously going to have to build that. Yeah, and I think Kikuta as well. He did play as an out-and-out striker there. And that was something which Carl was asked today, and it's something that what we've discussed a lot on, on Twitter with, with different people. Why is Kakuta Mane not being played as an out-and-out striker? Well, here's what Carl had to say about that. When you look at your forwards, I'm, I'm curious yep. about one thing. You've played Maddox and her tattle yep. almost all season, the guy up front. Yep. Um, Kakuta's played out wide yep. almost all season, yet he had his success last year up front. Yeah, he did. It, there's got to be a reason why you haven't yeah. tried him in the middle. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Kakuta can play up front as a two. I really do, and I think you, you're right. He, he did have a success last year. I think sometimes playing him up front on his own, I think, would be very difficult, um, which is why I've sort of tended to stay away from it. But you're right, it's something that we, we have looked at uh, over the last probably two weeks, really, about maybe playing him up front, and it we didn't think it's been the right time. Will it be the right time this week? And maybe, uh, but I think he needs a partner. Uh, Darren's done very well this year up front on his own, um, as has Eric at certain times. Um, but you're right. You know we haven't got enough numbers in the box, and we're not creating enough chances. So I've got to find a solution. Uh, I will find a solution. Um, but with the personnel we've got in there, we've got to mix and match sometimes. And if someone's not doing their job correctly, um, then there will be changes. So we talked about Pedro Morales at the, the start there and about how if Pedro doesn't perform, the Whitecaps don't perform. Now, I wrote an article on AFTN today. If you haven't seen it, check it out on AFTN.ca. No Pedro, no party. So I had a look at the stats and it was kind of, it was even more frightening than I thought it was. In all the games that the Whitecaps have lost this year, all six games, Pedro Morales has no goals and just one assist in those six games. On the flip side of that, in a game where Pedro Morales has both no goals and no assists, the Whitecaps have only won one match. Basically, if Pedro isn't performing, if Pedro isn't producing, there's just nothing there from the Whitecaps. They're far too reliant on him. And we just can't have that because we've got a little bit of help now in Mauro Rosales. But for too long, it's just been so much pressure put, put on Pedro and you just can't have that. Yeah, and he—it's. I don't know if it's. You're saying that he's not performing. Obviously, that it's a performance factor. But I think teams are figuring out that they have to shut him down, and they're concentrating on shutting him down. Like uh, Porter in the, uh, spoke of how Chara shut down Morales and didn't give him any kind of space at all anywhere on the pitch. It was interesting to see too that. In this game, Morales, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember Morales dropping back quite a bit in this game. And 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 he and in the games he's, he's dropped back, he seems to find people on the run, uh, basically sending a long ball in. And he didn't do too much of that against Portland. And, and I think Portland was able to keep a little tighter, 
because of that, they're they're holding midfielders in front of their defenders, kept a tight space, and that gave no space to anybody else. So maybe they needed to throw some long balls in there because I don't remember very many uh, long balls going into dangerous attacking positions. No, I don't either, although I have tried to block Saturday's game out of my memory, so I don't really remember too much about that game at all. But the, the, the thing with Pedro, I mean, we're, I, yes, he has produced, but the last three games, there's been no goals and no assists from him. There's been no goals, really, from the team in well, the four of the last played, five games now. Chivas game he only played, uh, came on a sub, I think, right? Uh, for the last 20 minutes or so, if I'm not mistaken? Or? Well, yeah, yeah, but you still would yeah, hope that he would try and do something, so... but. It, the, th the thing with Morales is I do feel they're a little bit too reliant on him. So I'm going to play some audio now. The first is from Carl Robinson on Saturday, where he's talking about maybe Pedro having played a little bit too much and getting a little bit tired out because he has played 13 months straight. And then the second bit is going to be from training this morning, where I asked Carl, as a follow-up to my, my article, is it a case that if Pedro doesn't perform, the Whitecaps don't perform? I hope not. I really do, but you know he's played 13 months, I think now non-stop, which is why when you know I make a decision to leave him out and rest him, it's it's because I can sort of sense it, uh, you know, and maybe I get a little bit of criticism when I leave him out, but I've got to be careful on how I handle him because we've seen how good he can be. Today he was he was okay. Um, you know, not when he plays well, we play well, and today he's. He didn't sort of play to his levels that we've probably seen him for the most of the season. Do you think he was getting targeted a little bit today too? He seemed to take I, I more than every, he not Yeah, it's in every game he gets targeted. If I was playing against him and knowing Caleb the way I know Caleb, I'd target him. So, you know, it's no different. You know, we talk about rep repetitive fouling and things like that. And there was quite a few of them, yeah. Having a look at the stats. Yeah. The team, if Pedro hasn't got a goal or yes. an assist... <laughs> Gary, you like this one. You've only won one game. You like this one. So, is yeah. it like a case that if Pedro doesn't perform, the team doesn't perform? You're right. Yeah, no, it is. And that's part of the reason why I brought Marrow in as well, because sometimes, you know, Pedro isn't going to play, perform for 34 games a season. You know, no player in this league does. Thierry Henry doesn't. Robbie Keane maybe seems to do it for 33, but um, they don't. So, when that happens, we need to find solutions and find ways to try and, um, you know, be a better team. And, you know, the last two games, uh, I said to Pedro, maybe he hasn't performed at the levels he would like. Um, but he still worked his socks off. He still covered the most distance for us la uh, on, on Saturday's game. So, you know, you can't say he's not working, you know, but we've got to have other guys that step up. We've got all these fantastic group of talented young players who sometimes are inconsistent. Um, and it's important they, you know, if Pedro doesn't step up or is unable or they keep him in check, which they did Saturday, someone else does. And, you know, that's part of our job is to try and share the, share the workload. I said, you know, when we lost Camillo at the start of the season, it would be about chipping in with 10 goals, for four or five players. And I think that's, that's no different to where we are now. Nine games to go, we still need other players stepping up, not just scoring goals, but, you know, creating goals as well. Because you're right, you know, the stats don't lie. Um, we've only won one game if... He's scored, is it? Or if he hasn't he's, got a goal. If he hasn't got a goal. Right, so I'd better make sure he scores on Saturday then, don't I? <laughs> so let's hope Pedro can kind of refine some of his mojo. And we really need it. It's like the Whitecaps have to get this mojo back in time for Saturday's game at DC United. If I look back for one last comment on Saturday, Steve, is there any positives that you can take from that or any other negatives that you want to talk about? Well, 
Well, we could talk about uh, a couple of guys that made their home debuts. Uh, Rosales, we already talked about him a little bit. Excellent. He, he, he did really well. He, he seemed to be the only one really on the attack. Um, Tybert, I thought, played a little bit decently, too. Laba was there as well. But overall, I think Rosales was easily the man of the match, um, almost by default, if you want to say it, because nobody else really showed up. Um, Kendall Watts, Waston. Uh, I thought in the first half, I thought he played really well. Um, I thought I thought they took advantage of him a couple times. He made it on one of the goals. He slipped on one of the goals. He got pulled out of the box, which gave you know a big gap between Andy O'Brien and Jordan Harvey. That was the Powell goal, the first one. So I think there there was a mo couple moments where he the, uh, nobody really covered for him. Um, he seems to be an aggressive player, uh, kind of a Jay Demare type, obviously with more size, and. We were talking about in the game that he's very good at throwing people around without getting caught. And I think that might be a good advantage as long as the MLS referees don't pick up on that and, and somebody doesn't point it out. He, he seems to be really, really effective on doing that, especially on um, the attacking set pieces. Yeah, I'm a little bit mixed as to what I thought about Waston from Saturday. I like what he brings in an attacking sense, and he did look dangerous in the box, and he is fantastic at losing his man. Maybe not always legally, but he got away with it. I also th am a little bit worried, though, that with the state of MLS refereeings and just the, the nature of the modern game, he's going to pick up one hell of a lot of bookings. And I don't mind that. I like an aggressive player. Obviously, he is going to then pick up some suspensions as well, but at least the the Whitecaps do have a little bit of strong depth there, so it's not too bad. I, I like, I think it's going to be a work in progress. I think it's going to take the, this season to help him really find his feet, and then we're going to see the best of Waston next year when, when he's got a full preseason under his belt with the Whitecaps and some experience of travelling and playing in MLS, and then I think it's going to be great next year. One other thing is, is what, what do you think about the idea that you know, they have a lot of like players in the attack? We were talking about earlier, the Maddox... Hurtado, Mane. Is there any point to making a trade where you trade one of those guys for the short term and, and pick up a, a you know a veteran, even if it's not somebody who is a top veteran uh, striker that can you know give a little bit of different thing? Is it worth it? I I don't think so. But what do you what do you think about that? One of those players. I'm kind of torn because I I think and I said this months back that with who the Whitecaps currently have on the squad, I don't think they're a playoff team. Or even if they squeak into the playoffs, you can't really see them doing much there because the strikers are just so inconsistent. Is it worth bringing a guy in for 10 games, maybe 11, 12 games, if you include the playoffs, that is maybe going to make a difference but isn't going to be around next season? Because that goes against everything that Carl's kind of wanted to build. But at the same time, it could get some success. I, I think Carroll is trying really hard to, to get someone in. Obviously, I've gone on all season about trying to get Will Bruin in, and someone like him would be great to bring in. But what salary is he on? Well, Will, Will Bruin's affordable. I think he's affordable. I think if you bring in somebody from outside, that might be an issue because those guys usually come with their DP potential or whatever. And if you're going to bring somebody at a lower pay, um, at this late of the season, how fit are they going to be? Uh, how long is it going to take them to get into the rhythm of the game? They, they can make something happen with the cap. We kind of asked uh, some questions behind the scenes. And if something needed to happen with the cap, something could happen with the cap. Because, hey, this is MLS. Anything can happen in MLS. <laughs> um, but Blind draw. Yeah, they could have a blind draw to see exactly what salary he's going to get. The thing, though, is 
if you're bringing a player in that is going to make a difference, he's going to be on a slightly higher salary. So I think you'd need to give two people up. And there's no point giving up a, a player to, to get a draft pick or something back in return, because that's going to mean nothing. Uh, you're just replacing a young guy with exp MLS experience for a young guy with, with no experience. So I'm getting the feeling that nothing is going to happen. I think Carroll's going to try right up to the last minute, but I just get that sense that not to expect anything. So let's just hear a little bit more from training today. We're going to hear the thoughts of Darren Mattix, David Oustead, Andy O'Brien and Carl Robinson again, just in a whole nature of things, including just what went wrong with the goals, what's gone wrong with the team, and just a whole other things out of Saturday's game, and then kind of looking ahead a little bit as well as to what they're going to work on this week. Right, Darren, just, what's the mood like around the group today after after tough result on the weekend? Um, obviously it's dis disappointed, um, but um, I, I think the guys, mine are set, you know, we know what we need to get done, and um, everyone's all confident that um, we can get this done, move forward, get into the playoffs. You know, no one's really worried about missing the playoffs. And I think we just got to focus on the process and the outcome is going to take care of itself. Is it kind of weird? I mean, this is now three summers in a row that, that you've been a part of a club that's kind of struggled through August and into September. How, how frustrating is it just to go through this yet again? Um, every league goes through um, slums. You know, it's not just Vancouver. Every, every team in this league goes through slums. And this is just um, a point in time where we just got to put our head down and record. And it's all part of the game, you know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But no one's overreacting or getting disappointed about um, not scoring goals or not getting points. You know, obviously that's the aim and the goal to get ourselves in the playoffs, you know. But as I said, like, no one's really worried about it or get too down or um, bogged down about it. We just got to focus on what we need to do. David, just uh, what's the mood like around the group today after a tough result on the weekend? A little down, uh, should be as well. Uh, put in a bad performance in the weekend, and uh, time to reflect today, and, uh, and then get back to work and, and, and look forward. Yeah, with the game like that, do you, do you try to forget about that performance, or do you really kind of break down and see what went wrong? No, nah, I think we need to, to look at when, what went wrong, uh, so it doesn't happen again. Uh, that said, we need to, to move on as well. Uh, I said before the game that we still had nine games after. The Portland one, and, and we need to focus on that. It's uh, not a time to, to give up or uh, or feel sorry for ourselves. Um, we're still in a good position, and we still have the chance to to, to make us um, a push to the playoffs. David, what's concerning about the way that you guys have played in, in games that seem to have mattered the most to you? I know LA is a tough place to play in, but we saw a similar effort to what we saw here at home against Portland. We hadn't seen a lot of those at home, but games that seem to matter the most of late, you guys haven't been delivering. Yeah, uh, if I had the answer, I uh, I would tell you. Um, it, it's a little bit about, I think, maturing. It's a little bit about being mentally strong for these games. Uh, those are the games that are fun to play. Those are the games that we need to, to look forward to. And uh, like you said, we haven't been performing in them. Does that come down to a lack of experience? And there's a lot of young players on this team. Is that just a lack of experience? Or is that um, you could you could put it down to, to lack of experience. We're still a, a young group, but but it, it's also putting your heart into it, putting uh, putting that jersey over your head, and and, and really going in and fighting for it. Um, you don't have to play the best game in the world, but uh, going in with with a lot of heart and, and fighting your way out of it uh, is one thing. If you lose to a better team, uh, that happens sometimes. But um, I don't think we should get out fought out uh, played like we did uh, at home. The goal were let in Saturday. How, how did how do you see that? Like from the goalkeeper watching it, what did you see unfold that went wrong? 
Well, a lot of things. Like I said, uh, I think we weren't at it. Uh, so they, we made them look a little bit better than um, than they than they were. Uh, so uh, a lot of things I think went wrong on those goals, and it was it was just an off day. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll reflect on it. We'll 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 get better, but we need to move forward as well um, going into the weekend. I'm sure this isn't the first time you've seen a team with that flow is struggling from time to time. But the way that you've played in games that have mattered the most, L.A. and now Portland, is it concerning though, Andy? I mean, I know you do have nine games left to play, but shouldn't we be seeing a better effort than what we saw in those games, especially against Portland? Um, yeah, I think um, we're disappointed with the result. Um, you know, I, what I find with the MLS, I don't know if it's specific to us, but uh, when there's an opportunity to, to seize that, uh, you know, had we won the game, you know, there's teams that uh, would have been six points, five points behind us with two games in hand uh, against some. Uh, it never seems to quite go that way. Um, and you know, if we're going to do it, you'll you could say we're going to do it the hard way. Um, but you know, we need to do it, and uh, we know what is is expected. And certainly, the performance and the result isn't what uh, is expected on the, that we that we had at the weekend. Okay, looking at your crystal ball, how do you do it? Because you've been hearing everything the last two weeks about getting back to basics and, and the effort and training, and whatnot, but. How do you do it? Yeah, well, ultimately it's down to results. The the games the games about results, and uh, you know things can be said about as being a young team, but uh, we need to stand up and be counted. And uh, you know we've got that game in hand, which you know if we win that, that'll take us back into the playoff position. But again, you know we need to continue to, to gain points between between that game in hand and, and, and the rest of the league. When you think about obviously if this team is succeed, you're going to need more out of the younger forwards. It seems you're quite reliant on them, but as a veteran, do you is, is there a time where you have to put more pressure on those guys to perform, or do you just try and keep encouraging them? And how, how do you kind of approach the, the side of getting them mentally ready for these? Well, I think it's a fine balance. I think um, you know if you emphasise the need to score goals, um, you know does that put more pressure on them? Um, and ultimately, if they don't score goals, they, they will be replaced, and, and that's that's the nature of the business. So uh, I mean, it's self-explanatory. Um, from a senior guy's point of view, but um, you know, the, I guess the frustration is is that the, we've seen them score goals, we've seen them score headers, we've seen them score the left foot, right foot, uh, we've seen them being a nuisance. So we've we've seen it. It's just a matter of of it happening um, more more often uh, and more consistently between now and the end of the season. But you know, I'm not going to stand here and say that uh, it isn't worrying, but. You know, we have faith in them and, and they've demonstrated that they can do it. So, you know, that needs to come out. I don't know if you've had a chance to review the goals yet, but from what you saw on the game, where where did the mistakes come that led to those three goals? Well, I mean, I've read people's comments and, you know, various peoples have different views on them. Um, we're yet to analyse them yet, so I won't uh, speak out too loud. Um, but it'll be something that we'll, we will look at and, uh, you know, collectively we'll... we'll you know, I think any time a ball goes in the back of the net, you think as an individual, could you have done something better, or what did you do, or what were you thinking? Um, and then from that, it, you know, you, the conversation opens up, um, and, and we try and polish up on it. How, how much did it grade on you, and is it still grading on you the effort? Because you, you said on Saturday, that was probably one of the first times we've seen you out, you know, performed and outclassed. Yeah, I think you know, I'll never fault the effort from the players. I'm watching it again, um, you know, dis, I say distance covered. You know, you can go into the analytical side as much as you want but um, you know the boys covered ground I think what the difference in the game if I'm being honest was 
we had one or two chances early on and we didn't take them. I think, you know, Pedro missed a great chance after four or five minutes and then Kendall missed a chance. And then, you know, it was, it was a very close game, a very tense game in the first 45 minutes without really anyone having to go at each other. And the second half, I always knew the first goal would be the difference. And we sort of switched off a little bit on the first goal. Uh, when you go 1-0 down in any game, it's hard. Um, but even having said that, we changed it up a little bit and we had a probably our, as good a period as we did since the first 15 minutes. And Darren had a very good chance and so did uh, Marrow. And we didn't take the chance and within two minutes, uh, Boyaruti scores with a super finish. So they took the chances, we didn't. And you know the last 15 minutes were you know, very hard to watch because they're 3-0 up away from home. They're a good possession team. They keep the ball very well under Caleb. And we, we got a doing in the last 15 minutes. We, we were chasing shadows a little bit. So I think the last 15 minutes masked, you know, a little bit and people went away with that performance. You know, we're disappointed. We didn't perform to the levels that we should have. Uh, we know we can do better and we'll make sure that we do better on the weekend. What confounds you the most about the lack of scoring? I mean, I know we sound like broken records yeah. asking about it. You probably sound like a broken record trying to come up with an answer, but... Yeah. It's costly. It is. It is. And, you know, I could stand here and make excuses. I'm not making excuses. We need to be better as a group. Um, the individuals need to be better. And I've said that to the guys, the young group of guys I've got as a, as a forward group in there. Um, and we're working at it. You know, it, the day we stop working, it'll be the day that I won't be doing my job correctly. Uh, but it doesn't change overnight. You know, you need a bit of luck here and there. At the moment, we're not putting ourselves in proper situations that we should be. We're not probably getting enough bodies in the box. So that's something we've reviewed over the last, well, me over the last 48 hours especially, uh, because we need to try and find a solution. Because, you know, we have got nine games left, but we can't keep saying this uh, in two or three more games' time because it might be too late. And we've got to make sure that a very good start to the season doesn't... F uh, Pitter out, as you put it. Carl, how do you handle those young guys? Because you know you said you'd stick with them all, all year yep. long. They delivered results you know, throughout throughout the season. They're not yep. doing it now. The pressure is only going to get greater. They're going to feel the pressure. They yep. know they have to, you know, yep. to deliver for you. How do you balance, you know, saying pull up your socks, you know, we we need you now, or or make this run, as opposed to maybe letting them work their way through it. I mean, it's got to be delicate balance, but it's something that has to happen. Well, I think each individual is totally different, and you know. Maybe the best thing is I can try and buy a big house, six-bedroom house, and have all the six youngsters I've got into my house and live with me, you know, because, um, you know, I've got to try and help them. Um, I've got to make them better, and I will do that, and me and Martin and Gordon will, will continue to do that. Um, but there's going to be ups and downs, you know, and you usually find out about people, not when it goes well, you know, when everyone builds them up on the pedestal, but also when things don't go your way and things haven't been going our way recently. Um, but it's about character building, and I'll find a lot out about this team moving forward character-wise as well about myself is when things don't go your way. And at the moment, we're in a, we're in a nice little tricky patch, but, you know, we'll get through. Would you like a veteran striker to be acquired, or, as you say, do you want to stay the course with what you have? Yeah, I'd like Falcao, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> I tried to get him on loan, you put but I couldn't get. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't get it. No, listen. You know, everyone knows we've got one. Of, I think the youngest team in Major League Soccer, or one of them. You know, and I'm happy to do that. You know, do we need a little bit more quality in certain areas? Of course we do. We're always looking at that. And since Kenny left, um, for for his reasons and our reasons, you know, I've gone with the young group of players, and I'm happy to go with the young group of players. And if if it arises where I can bring in an addition, which I think will help. For the longer term as well, not just the short term, then I will. If it's not, then we'll reassess that in January because, you know, the experience that they're getting at the moment, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, will help them and will help me and then we'll help the club moving forward. 
You think guys are becoming a bit more individual because they're they're feeling tight and rather because I mean you, you look up you see the fullbacks there's nobody near him so he's hoofing it down in the park yeah everybody's running away yeah no it could be you know we've got a, if we're going to get to where we want to get to this year and have success we've got to get back to a, a team a team a collectiveness as a team and I think individually I think we've looked at players and they performed well but as a team we probably haven't performed as much as as we were liked in the last few games. You know, at the start of the season, we were creating chances at will and we weren't taking them. You know, now we're not creating that many chances and we're not scoring. Um, we've kept a few clean sheets prior to the last two games where we conceded five goals. So it's the old saying of the blanket, you pull it over your head and then your feet get cold and you, you keep it over your feet and your head gets cold. So that's part of my job and the coaches is to find a solution for that. But we'll continue working with that. Um, we'll find a way of creating more chances. We'll try and take more chances. But... We'll just try and play with a little bit more freedom because I think we were we played very tense in the first half uh, and I don't want us to do that. We haven't done that for the majority of the season so we need to get back to doing what we're good at. After the game on Saturday, you, you said you hadn't really had a chance to see the goals apart from hitting yep. the back of the net. Have you had a look at them now? And I have, yeah. Where do you think Bad. the mistakes are? Nah, it's, you know, in any goal you can identify three, four, five different individuals and you know they could do better. And um, The first goal was always going to be key and I said to Martin about two minutes before the, the first goal come I said whoever scores the first goal is going to win the game and uh, you know I don't like to say I was right but I was right because you know they scored they took the chance and it's a different dynamic in the game but I think we tactically changed it uh, we went to a 4-4-2 and it helped us because we managed to get into the game playing a 4-4-2 against Portland is always hard because they're a very good possession orientated team and you know they were able to pick us pick us off at will then with Nagby and Valeri drifting into holes so I didn't really want to go into that shape, but I did, and we did. We did have two good chances, but we couldn't capitalise. And then, before you know it, it's two nil and three nil, and you know uh, we're chasing shadows. So, um, you know, the goals weren't good, um, but they've gone now. Uh, we, I've addressed it in there. We spoke to them about it. So, DC United are coming up next. What do you want after losing 3-0 to your, one of your fiercest rivals? You want the leaders of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> At least the Whitecaps have got an unbeaten record in their previous nine games against Eastern Conference opposition this year. I think it's going to be a tough game. You don't think it's going to be maybe as tough, Steve, because uh, of how they play? No, it could be very well that DC United comes in and, and be, beats the Whitecaps. It's very possible, but DC United, from what I've seen, is they don't seem to travel well when they go, come west. Uh, they've picked up a lot of points against Eastern Conference teams. I haven't looked at the stats too carefully, but from what I remember, whenever I see them playing against a Western Conference team, they seem to always either draw, be lucky to draw, or lose the game outright. So, and I'm sure if I'm wrong, somebody will call me out on that. But I, I think the Whitecaps have a, a better chance than a lot of people are giving them. I'm going to go for nil-nil, because I don't see DC scoring, I just don't see the Whitecaps scoring. So, hey, another nil-nil. Oh, that's a prediction? Yeah. Sure. Okay, 1-0, uh, Whitecaps. I was confident for the, the Portland game. I, I think that's just sucked all the confidence out of me. But let's just hear a little bit from Carl Robinson, just initially talking about the visit of DC to BC Place on Saturday evening. Uh, we'll continue moving forward. We've got a massive game against DC United. Who are, again, this week, I say arguably the best team in Major League Soccer. Uh, Benny's done a great job considering where he was last year. So it's going to be a very difficult game for us, but a game we, you know, we know we can win. What sort of different challenges one, to one more, do DC pose compared to Portland? DC are a, a, a very, very good, ex 
experienced major league soccer team and I think it shows how, how tight the league is that they I think they had two or three wins last year and won the US Open Cup and now they're competing for the Supporter Shield so um, I knew Benny would turn it around because he's a great guy as well as a good coach and um, you know they brought in some valuable additions in, in the off-season from maybe finishing you know bottom of the table where they were um, but that shows what the league's like it really is one one year you're down the bottom and the next year you're fighting for contention so that's credit to Benny DC remind me a little bit of New York last year you know New York have got a fantastic squad of players the same squad this year as they got last year but they were catching fire last year and they went on to win the supporter shield this year I think it's DC's turn and that's what they're doing so very tri tricky game uh, they'll be very organised they'll be very physical if I know Benny like I do uh, but we've got to match that uh, but also play our game we've got to go and play with the freedom I, I think we didn't play with a freedom against Portland. I think we played with uh, a tenseness about us, and that's not what I'm about, and that's not what my players are about. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying to them to go out and express themselves because fans want to see players express themselves. So that's it for episode 77 of the podcast. Just before we go, Steve, let everyone know where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecastBeat. Um, I post there regularly. I don't write anymore, it seems like, <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, it does seem like uh, I'll, I'll probably start up again soon uh, whenever I get a chance. Uh, so, and obviously... If when I do write, I write for Canadian Soccer News. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me online on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all my stuff on AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSSoccer.com, so watch out for all my stuff on that. So until next time, thanks for listening. We've no idea what the sound quality of this is like. I hope you've heard it okay, because it's absolutely bucket and moraine round about us here. We're soaked through. We hope the drips haven't picked up too much on the mic, but if they have, hey, you made it to the end, so it hasn't annoyed you that much. So until next time, take care, and more neck caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then... There must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.